The image for this series is a woman celebrating the festival of holy to remind us that blessing doesn't always look like what we expect. In the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us who is blessed. Blessed is living in the assurance that I am with God and God is with me. Even though my present circumstances might not look like it, if I'm blessed, I'm actually living in the kingdom of heaven. And that's not a delusion. It's a life with hope. So how do I get there? How do I get to that life of hope? That's the question Jesus answered in Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Today we're looking at the third person Jesus says is blessed. In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus teaches this. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So finally, we have a blessing that actually sounds like a blessing to begin with. Unlike being poor in spirit or mourning, there's nothing in our culture that seems negative about being gentle. So first thing I want us to point out is gentleness is a choice. You know, it's being gentle is, is both an internal part of my being and a physical action. It's something that's truly a human action because it requires my, my spirit, my inner self, and my body, my outer self that does actions. Now, words related to gentleness and used in other translations of the Bible that you may have, it may also say humility or meekness. So humility, we understand. I'll give you a short definition of humility. It's two parts to humility. One is thinking of others before I think of myself. And the second part of humility is having an accurate view of myself. So those two things together, the proper perspective of myself and thinking of others above myself is humility and gentleness. Meekness is not a word that we commonly use anymore. But don't ever confuse being meek with being weak just because the words rhyme in English. Meekness actually means strong. But it's strength that is used in a controlled, caring way. See, I, I have here a feather. This feather is gentle, but it is not meek. See, I can take this feather and it doesn't matter how hard I, I hit someone or hit something with this feather, this feather will always be weak. You know, unless I manage to accidentally poke someone in the eye, this feather will always be gentle. But I also have this bat. And with my strength and this bat, I could really hurt someone. But if I have my strength under control, I can touch someone as gently with this bat as I can with a feather. And that is meekness. That is the gentle spirit resulting in a humble response that Jesus says is blessed. And Jesus is a great example of this type of gentleness. Matthew 21.5 describes Jesus' kingly procession into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. And it says this, Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, in this culture, a king entering a city could come one of two ways. Either on a horse as a display of strength that the king is here to rule by his might. Or on a donkey representing peace and humility. And even we see Jesus, uh, the song we sang earlier, How Beautiful, spoke of Jesus at the Last Supper. 
where he's the one in charge. He's, he's the head of these disciples, and yet he humbly washes their feet. He takes on the, the humble action. And for us, uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 4, describes how a wife, if she is married to a husband who is not a believer, how she can win her husband to obedience to the Lord. It's not by strong-arming him in any way, but it's the use of her gentle and quiet spirit. So gentleness and humility is a way to win someone. So what Jesus is saying here is the blessed person, or blessed is the person who is strong and can rightly control that strength, considering others above themselves. Now that's a pretty high calling. But that's what we want from anyone who either has strength or to whom we grant strength or power. I mean, don't we want our government leaders to think about us, the people, before themselves? That's what I want. Um, don't we want our police to protect us? Um, don't you want me as your pastor to be a gentle shepherd? And for those of us who are parents, we want to be both firm and understanding. So this call to meekness is an attribute that we can use every day if we can achieve it. I think, when I was thinking of an example of somebody who I know who actually has this characteristic in their life, I thought of our local city police chief, Bill Sullivan. Now, in terms of physical stature, he's a good-sized man. And also, he has been granted power as head of our police force. Now, we haven't had this particular conversation about what his priorities are, but as I've talked with him over the last eight years, I think I've learned what his priorities are. First, his prior, first priority is to protect the lives of people. And second, he wants to protect people's property. And then I'd say a tie for third is he wants to protect the reputation of the city and he wants to protect his officers. Now, by putting that third, I'm not saying that he doesn't care about the lives of his officers. I don't think he thinks my TV is more important than the life of one of his officers. But what I mean is he he realizes his officers have also made an oath to protect people and property, and he simply wants them to be safe as they perform that duty. And then fourthly, in the last place, he thinks about himself. I mean, that is power exercised with humility, or what Jesus calls gentleness or meekness. And that is a lot of hard work. He has to make tough decisions. He has to do tough things. Is it even worth it? Well, Jesus also tells us what the reward or blessing is for being a gentle person. He says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. The gentle inherit the earth. Now, this is really related to the promise of blessing that we read about in Matthew 5, 3, which Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For they will rule the cosmos, is literally what he said. Matthew 5, 5 makes that blessing more specific. Instead of ruling the cosmos, this is a blessing for earth. It's a blessing for the planet, the land, the ground. It says, the gentle will receive as an inheritance the abode of people and animals. And this really aligns with the book of Revelation. Now when Jesus returns, he does not come meekly on a donkey but it, on a horse displayed for war. Revelation 19.11 describes it this way. 
I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges for war. So when Jesus comes back with strength uh, and rules the earth, Revelation 22 gives us an idea, a picture of what this new earth looks like. What it, not just looks like, but what it is. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then he, excuse me, then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So the earth that Jesus gives an inheritance is a good earth. It's a renewed earth. It's There's not just clean water for everyone, but the very river of the water of life flows. There's not just fruit trees for everyone to eat from, but multiple trees of life perpetually producing fruit that everyone can eat from. There, There's no longer any war or national tragedies because the leaves from the trees of life heal nations. There's no more curse on the earth or on people. There's no religious war because everyone worships Jesus who enlightens them. Man, that's a great inheritance. And let's focus in on that no more curse part. I think that's important. You know, one good thing that that has come out of this COVID-19 pandemic where whole countries around the world are shutting down is we've seen how the earth can heal itself. I've read stories and seen before and after pictures around the world where pollution has gone down so much that now people can see mountains far in the distance where they couldn't before. Uh, people are having less problems with asthma now because there's so much less pollution. Look at these major cities in India, New Delhi and Mumbai, Seoul, Korea, Los Angeles, London, and Madrid all have cleaner air. The canals of Venice have gotten so clear that you can see all the way to the bottom and fish have returned. So here's the thing. If we actually knew how to rule this earth with humility, gentleness, and meekness, instead of sin and domination and curse, what a great world this would be. And that is the good world that Jesus says the gentle inherit. So we saw that gentleness was a high calling, but we also see it has this very high reward. And think of the jobs that I mentioned earlier, whether government work or police or a pastor or parenting, all those are also high callings. But if done correctly, unselfishly, there's also a high reward, high honor, sometimes a high paycheck. So who is it that inherits the earth? Well, it's not the warlord. It's not the terrorist. It's not the imperial nation. It's not even the environmentalist who inherits the land. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ will renew the earth and give it to the humble, the gentle, the meek. So let's recap real quick. Jesus has given us this state of being that he wants us to achieve. Gentleness, humility of action and attitude, meekness. And 
Jesus also told us a blessing of reward for those who achieve that state of being. They inherit the earth. So the final question is, how does one become gentle? And it's here that we hit one of the tensions in Christianity. It's not a contradiction if we think it through, but it is challenging. You know, consider this. When I am blessed because I'm insulted for being a Christian, one of the Beatitudes, that's completely beyond my control. You know, yes, I choose to live like a Christian, but I can't control whether or not someone insults me for following Jesus. On the other hand, what we looked at, uh, what we'll look at next week, if I'm blessed because I hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's on me. I choose whether or not I want to pursue righteousness. Gentleness, however, is one of those virtues that I can both do nothing to obtain and must do everything to obtain. And that's why I call this one attention in Christianity. How can I do nothing completely not on me and I have to do everything? I think it's appropriate that Jesus says the blessing for gentleness is an inheritance because an inheritance might be one of the best illustrations of this tension. You know, like any inheritance, the gift is entirely up to the giver. I can't force my parents to give me anything when they die or even when they're alive. However, if I desire an inheritance, I should make every effort to be a good son. And if there's something in particular I desire, I should make it known what I desire by asking and investing in it. Now, Motorcycle Paul, he, he's mentioned to me that he's got a motorcycle that one of his sons can have as an inheritance. But what he's got to do is take care of that motorcycle, learn to fix it. And in the Bible, recall the story of Jacob and Esau. While neither one of them were ideal sons, Jacob desired the inheritance and he worked to get it. And I, while I wouldn't recommend Jacob's methods, Esau cared so little for and despised his birthright so much that he was willing to sell it for a bowl of stew. See, Esau only cared about his Esau only cared about his birthright once he found out he lost it. In my family, my mom has some blue willow china, and I will likely inherit that blue willow china because my mom knows that Jennifer and I also collect blue willow china. And also my mom has some antique pieces of blue willow china, but all the antique pieces that my mom owns, guess who bought, bought it for her? I did. Now, it's still 100% hers to give to whoever she chooses, but I've done the right things I can to be blessed with that inheritance. And there are many things like that in Christianity, starting with my salvation. You know, there is nothing I can do to repay God for my sins and redeem myself. So Jesus has to give me that as a gift. I need forgiveness through his sacrifice on the cross. But I also do what I can. I accept the gift in faith and I work to progress in my salvation to become more like Christ. This is one of the aspects of Christianity that I think people are getting wrong when I hear them say something like, I tried that Jesus stuff and it didn't work for me. Well, I got to ask them, did you work for it? I believe someone who says that it didn't work for them, either they have not truly accepted the gift in faith or they have not committed themselves to the work of salvation. Similarly, gentleness is also a gift from God, specifically from the Holy Spirit. 
Galatians 5.23 lists gentleness as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is also an example of Jesus. He says this in Matthew 11.19, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But consider this. Jesus not only describes himself as gentle and humble, but also calls his followers to do something. Take my yoke. That's to say, work my burden and learn from me. See, I have to seek and learn gentleness. Psalm 25, 9 says, God leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. So it has to be learned. Zephaniah 2, 3 says, seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness and seek humility. Got to look for, got to work for it, got to find it. And finally, James one twenty one, he speaks of the work followed by the gift. He puts it this way: putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. There's the work. I've got to put away the stuff that's not right. And then he says, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You know, living in this tension is one of the many things that makes Christianity different from every other religion. See, every religion has virtues that the followers try and achieve. In every religion, that virtue is also something that I have to obtain in order to be accepted by God or forgiven by God, in order to obtain a next life that's better. But in Christ, all of salvation is a gift. From my initial forgiveness, through my sanctification. Now, sanctification is a fancy way of saying growing into those virtues. And even my final glorification. All of salvation is a gift. And it's also a gift that I work with. Salvation through Jesus is not something I create on my own. But it's also not a gift that I set on a shelf. To me, it's like receiving a gift of Legos. I gave my daughter a a Wonder Woman Lego set for her birthday. And then she had to read the instructions. And she had to put them together. And at one point, she was putting them together and she ran upstairs and she said, Help! And so I came down to the basement and I helped her. And now that the kit is completed, she uses it. She plays with it. She interacts with it. And that's what Christian salvation and also gentleness is like. A gift that is worked. So how do I become gentle? Well, first I ask God to make in me a spirit of gentleness that affects my attitude and actions. And then secondly, I need to nurture that gift as I interact with people. When I interact with my wife, when I interact with my children, when I interact with members of this congregation, when I interact with people who disagree with me. I mean, anywhere I have power, I have to work it. So you remember, gentleness is not letting people walk all over me, but controlling my strength as I interact with each, with others. And that's the perfect way to describe the life of Jesus in all his interactions, whether it be with his disciples, the sick, the sinners, or religious hypocrites, all the way in his life to the cross. You know, Jesus said he could have called a legion of angels to save himself, but instead he meekly used his power to save me. We're going to pray now from Psalm 65. Psalm 65 describes how gently God deals with this planet. You visit the earth and water it abundantly, enriching it greatly. 
God's stream is filled with water. For you prepare the earth in this way, providing people with grain. You soften it with showers and bless its growth, soaking its furrows and leveling its ridges. You crown the year with your goodness. Your carts overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow and the hills are robed with joy. The pastures are clothed with flocks and the valleys covered with grain. They shout in triumph. Indeed, they sing. So today, God, we pray, it, if you use this strength so greatly to care for the earth, how much more do you care for us, the inhabitants of the earth? We thank you for your gentle care and ask that you gift us with the same power to care for others. Amen.